that is? Discipline. Selfish. No joke. We're legitimate. Do it. Do it 100% because I'm trying to. We recognize that we are limitless. Gotta be a champion, become a champion, right? Winning is a habit because we create habits that lead to good execution and success. And welcome to episode two of The Coaches Show. I'm Coach Mike Bianca, joined with Coach Ryan Gray. Today's show, we have all the news from the 2023 Major League Paintball World Cup. And that's going to be brought to you by our correspondent, Vince Cunningham. He'll be joining us here shortly. I'm really excited, Ryan. Coach of the event, Kevin Brethauer from San Diego Dynasty for Pete. He's going to be on tonight's show, and we're going to discuss that incredible, incredible event for, for Dynasty. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to delving into that guy's head and getting a, a couple of insights into lots of questions uh, from a coach's perspective that I'm excited about to see from Kevin. And I think, weren't we going to try and get uh, Jason Trojan on the show? Yeah, we wanted to try to get Jason on, talk about the new bunker kit. Uh, unfortunately, Jason wasn't available tonight. Uh, so we're still going to talk about it. Uh, I got with Jason, got a field building kit and uh, created what is a more realistic view of what the new bunker kit uh, can do for some of the zones and and things that uh, I had to get Jason's approval before I showed it. I really didn't want to, but I did. Right. Uh, and then we're also, you and I are going to chop up the layout a little bit as we discuss how the teams played. I think Maddie was calling it the arrow. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're going to talk a little bit about why a lot of the teams were doing that. Uh, and then finally, we're going to dig into some things that, that coaches need to be looking at this offseason um, and, and how to develop their group through the offseason with weaknesses. What do they need to be focusing on? Even if they're really strong at something, how do they maintain that and then work on the deficiencies as a group? So we got a full one. Hopefully we can get this all knocked out in an hour, but if not, you guys will get us for more. We'll see. <laughs> That's right. All right. So we ready to bring Vince on? Let's bring Vince in. All right, everybody. Vince with Let's Talk Paintball. Hey, Vince. hey what's going on? How y'all doing? Good. I'm having a bad hair day, but that's all right. <laughs> so that's why it pays to have good hats. <laughs> so I don't have that um, problem ever anymore. I wasn't <laughs> going to say anything. I was, well, I was just, leaving that door open for you, brother. Yeah, we we had that pause there. We both just kind of stared at you real quick. <laughs> so I saw, I saw the. Um, <laughs> I know last time I was on here, one of the things that we talked about, we did break down a lot of things, um, you know, event scheduled, you know, that obviously is now released, uh, which is great. And then how some semi-pro teams were looking as we were in the midst of World Cup. Um, obviously, everyone knows by now what ended up happening there. Um, you know, we, we were talking about newbies looking good, but they end up losing to Scalp. And then, you know, obviously, then Blast Camp PB Fit go on to face each other in the finals fit um gets you know wins the pro spot so you know update there obviously i have talked to fit um and they will be taking the pro spot so that they're not looking to sell it they're not looking to you know yeah. do anything they will be pro and will make their pro debut 
um, at Vegas next year. So that's it was great to see them five Pete, right? Or five, I should say, uh, five events in a row. First time any team's ever done that. Won um, every single event in a single season. So yeah, great stuff. And then obviously everyone's seen you talk about SK. We'll have him on here uh, in a minute. But four Pete for them, you know, vibe. Uh, from the WNXL, they win World Cup um, after they won the first ever WNXL event in Sunshine 2022. So they just won. They just won World Cup. So great, great news all around. Everybody, um, you know, the NXL, we've put out a ton of content on that. So go check the NXL page as well. But but yeah, what else do you all want to talk about today? Well, so let's go back and touch on a couple of things you mentioned. So there was kind of a rumor going around that Vibe might even go away uh, kind of right after World Cup. But I mean, I just can't imagine you go win World Cup and then disband, right? So hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, we are going to have Casey Harris, coach of Paintball Fit on the show next week. So uh, be looking forward to that, talking kind of about his strategy and what they do event to event. I mean, Mike and I have both coached teams in semi-pro. It's hard to win one tournament, much less five in a row. I mean, that's just unheard of. Um, and then, of course, Dynasty winning four yeah. World Cups in a row. In a yeah. row. I mean, that's just – I mean, their name is who they are and what they are, right? I mean, it, it is a true dynasty. So – um, a couple of other things from World Cup that, you know, now that the event's over that we can and kind of talk about a little bit is how good the European teams were. Yeah, yeah. And I was just about to say that we, um, on top of releasing the U.S. schedule early, we've also released the European schedule early as well. Yeah. So that is out. And one of the things Tom Cole had talked about in interview was, is one of the reasons why he stripped away having so many U.S. pros on European teams is because he really felt that Europe would have a chance to step up. They'd create their own culture, their own funnel systems, in which they've done that. I mean, obviously, we've seen, you know, Lucky 15s and the Tauntauns did very, very well. Versed Factory, they only, they had Mark Barolo, who had taken a break a little bit from U.S. Pro Paintball. He came to the team and played really well, but the majority of that team, you know, with Europeans played uh, played really well, played better than than him. He didn't get, have to get every single spin like we've seen in the past you know, those U.S. mercenaries go over and they play every single point. Um, and Joy Division, Joy Division, you know, they didn't play as well as they wanted to, but they were still competitive, right? They weren't getting blown out in games. Um, yeah. It wasn't a situation that we've seen where we, you know, usually European teams come over, they're just not ready. And then, it, you know, they look like they look like the Latin Saints um, who got relegated. So Latin Saints are officially relegated down as PB Fit comes up. Um but yeah, I mean, we've, we're trying to cultivate that space really well, and it's it's working, right? Tom and Jason and the team have done a really good job with the Europe space. And um, on top of schedule releases, we'll also be releasing the um, ICPL schedule very soon as well. We're, we're working on, you know, there's kind of two things in works right now for, for Major League Paintball, NXL, WNXL. Um, we're finalizing the last location for ICPL to have that released and ready to go for those that maybe the NXL is not their cup of tea. They're more ICPL players. And then uh, we are in the final parts of the contract negotiations for the Mid-Atlantic Mid Major location. So our hope okay. is to have that released before the end of the year is over. We release the dates out so people can at least take the dates you know, off. And then 
look at, you know, they can schedule flights once we get that location locked in place, but that's still hush, hush, top secret. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's good. So let's look at this layout really quick. So everybody's been kind of uh, freaking out about the, the new bunker <laughs> kit because, you know, SUP Air throws out these uh, kind of sample layouts. Um, you know, I, I think in one of them, there was like a cake in the back center and nothing within like 30 feet of it. Um, and it's really interesting. I, I know those were shared on the NXL webpage. But anybody who's played a paintball tournament in the last two years since Jason has been doing all the layouts, none of them are going to look like that, right? So yeah, as I was reading some of the comments on the page, it was really silly. I, Mike and I were kind of talking earlier and I, I got in this like back and forth with this guy because he, he, he posted this layout from like 2003. And I was like, dude, no one would be able to go anywhere. Like the guys now yeah. are so good with their guns. Like your front snake guy could would kill a guy going through a two foot gap off the break. Back in the day, that would have never happened. You would have, there were maybe eight guys who were amazing shooters off the break. And, and that's kind of what they did. You know, as soon as the game sort of progressed, they were still good, but they weren't like the guys who were the mid guys and the front guys. Today, yeah. every single player in the pro league can shoot off the break. Every yeah. single one of them. So, um, and I'm going to ask uh, uh, Skinny when he comes on about that too, because I'm hoping he'll agree with me. I just, the field layouts we played on back in the day where there were 15, 20 feet between spots, there's no way anybody could go anywhere. The guys would literally be playing two on two. Right. Yeah. Because three guys would die off the break. So I'm going to bring this layout up. We can kind of talk about it a little bit. So this is the World Cup layout with the beams that were just released. Yeah. Where is? Mean, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not significantly different, uh, different. And I know I mean, I have full trust in in Jason and um, obviously the layouts that that he puts together are you know always amazing. It, the snake beams really don't, it seems like more than what it is, but it really right. doesn't impact the game as much. And, and I don't obviously know, none of us are Jason. So I think the plan here is it opens up and frees up a lot more space as well, because it, it requires you to play bunkers differently, you know, uh, and throughout, you know, the last season when they had the miners, they tested a bunch of stuff. Look at the, uh, what was it? The asymmetrical one or, that was in the uh, Texas. That was in San. It was it San Francisco, San Diego, Texas. The Calif. Oh no! Oh, it was Texas. That's right. I'm thinking of. Yeah. I'm thinking of the California event for some reason. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, everyone. Everyone thought they were going to hate it, and then they played it, and they're like, "Oh, this is actually crazy." So I feel like there's going to be a similar thing. The immediate uh, change, obviously, everyone's afraid of, and then they start playing it every weekend. They're like, "Okay," then they forget about, you know. 10 years ago when we had mini X's in the corner and you could barely survive in them. Yeah. I, I was going to bring in some video from the 2006 smart parts championship, just so people could see how different it is. Like the yeah. guys are three, four feet off spots, right. Playing bunkers way off of them. Like things that just absolutely, if somebody saw today, you'd be like, man, that guy's never played tournament paintball before. And those were the best, <laughs> like it's dynasty and the naughty dogs playing in the world yeah. championship or playing in the championship match. And they're four feet off their spots. Like that would never happen today. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just kind of interesting to, to anytime something is new, right. Or different. 
uh, people get weird about it. Right. And, and I do think if everybody would have understood that like, Hey, Safair just kind of threw those out there. So you could see that there were a lot of snake beams. So they put them all on one side. There's no way that's what it's really going to look like. Right. You know, yeah. that's not, that's not how it's going to be. So, uh, kind of silly. Yeah. Kind of silly. Nobody likes change, right? Nobody likes change and paintballers are the worst when it comes to that. But I do right. want to go back and touch on something you mentioned, Ryan. You talked about that 2003 type of format. The guys are playing way off the bunker. The way it was explained to me, it was an interesting explanation that, you know, back in the day, bunker A would lead to bunker B and bunker B would lead to bunker C. Now, yeah. something that they've tried to do the last couple of years, whether it be with additions to the set or the layouts uh, themselves or larger bunkers, more larger bunkers in the center, what have you. The concept is to give you that option from bunker A, well, maybe I can take bunker B or maybe I can take bunker C. And from bunker C, maybe I can take bunker F or go back to bunker C. So yeah. this type of thing, I think that's the concept that the uh, Major League Paintball is going for. And Jason and a lot of the team that, that works on these sorts of things. It's an interesting explanation. And I appreciate that thought process. But to your point, those older bunkers, pff, good luck. Good luck getting through some of those gaps and making those moves that you're seeing today that are so dynamic. And as you, I believe the word you use is ballistic. I love that word, by the way. So added it to the dictionary. But there, long story yeah. short, I think there's a, I think what we're doing, it's going to, it's going to certainly make things a lot more dynamic. Think about it also. If I want to transition from one bunker to the next, what's the safest bunker to do that with? It's going to be a snake beam. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, without yeah. exposing myself. Right. So this is yeah. going to be it's going to be a, a neat I, thing. I know. Watch. I know where I was going with it. You just reminded me when you said that, Mike, um, the California event, um, they were they were crawling across the 50 using that snake beam. That's what I was thinking about. So, yeah, that's great. That's a great job, Mike, bringing that up. But, you know, the last thing I'll, I'll leave with here before I part ways, I know you have other guests is. You know, sometimes it's I get humor out of uh, looking through the comments. I try not to read them as much as possible. But some of the stuff people are talking about is, is you know, they're like, please put a snake beam in the back center. <laughs> so I seen that and just kind of thought it was obviously, you know, they're trolling and that kind of stuff. But sure. but yeah, I think right. there, I think this will be great. Um, and then, like I said, you know, other other than that, we are, we're looking forward. We're in full gear right now, getting ready for Vegas, starting to prep stuff from that. So um, check the website often, check the social media, the NXL social media and the WNXL social media, major league paintball. And then always, obviously let's talk paintball as you know, we're getting into that free agency season. I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be back on here with you all discussing through some of the big moves that are, that are already in the works, um, on the back end. So once I get some confirmations for everything, I'll start, uh, start working with you all on that as well. So I think we're looking at, um, really exciting off season. Yeah, I think it's going to really be just exciting. as crazy as last year, which everyone's like, we didn't think it'd be crazy as the year before that. And it's just every year since, you know, kind of post um, COVID, it's gotten crazier and crazier. So, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> I think we're looking for a real fun one this year. Yeah. But it's also, it's I think it's really good, man. It gives it gives uh, the fans something to 
to, to talk about and uh, keeps paintball on their minds. And um, yeah, it's talking good stuff. about paintball. Yeah. Let's talk paintball. <laughs> Want to? Too easy. Too easy. That was a soft. Too easy. All right, fellas. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for the time. We, I appreciate you. Thanks a lot, pal. Take we'll care, talk man. soon. All right. All right. Well, I think we cleaned up the field layout a little bit. You ready to dig into the next one? I'm I'm pretty excited about this. So hopefully he's good to go. And, I uh, I'm so SK and I coached. I I don't say what I did in Europe coaching because all I did was take a bunch of stats and stuff. But uh, we got to spend some time together and talk. And his philosophy around coaching is is similar to mine. But he is um, he's probably a lot smarter than I am. So and he may be the most winning coach. Uh, in paintball history at this point. So uh, he's been racking up wins like crazy. Maybe he'll uh, show us a bunch of rings and trophies and uh, we'll see. But the exciting stuff is he's definitely going to show us some stat sheets. We're going to talk through the semifinal and final game. Um, and I think you and I are really excited to talk about the semifinal game. Um, probably maybe a little bit more than the final game. Uh, but there are some key points, I think, from that final game that um, I think are interesting. Um, Let's bring 100%. him in. Let's bring him in, ladies and gentlemen. The Bam! Man, the man of the hour, the man, the man of the entire season, the man of the off season, the man leading into 2024. Kevin, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Well, good. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, str I was struggling getting this thing to work. So, yeah, <laughs> excuse me if it's not like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. We really appreciate um, it. Yeah, so I don't know exactly how well I'm going to be able to see the sheets on the screen while you're doing it, but I have the actual sheets in front of me, so I should be no okay. Worries. Well, before we get into that, I have to ask your opinion on something. I want to I wanted to ask okay. you about the 7-3 exhibition match. I wanted to ask you a two-part question actually about it. One, what was your thoughts? on that format and two did you approach this as a extended practice in-depth pressure test practice or were you generally trying to win the 8k there um for the, I, I don't really mind the format like i just didn't like how they had like it wasn't just split deck it was like four teams split deck at the same time so i think that was the problem because we played one point every like 20 minutes so it was like um yeah so that was i didn't like that part of it the actual points i think it's kind of cool like every every point matters more so i do like that part of it and like you know that that part's fine and i treated it completely as a practice because i played everybody so like literally everyone played so yeah, and usually I would narrow in uh, as the tournament goes on who's playing and who's not. And that actually transitions well into another one of my questions. If you don't mind, Ryan, I, I wanted, you know, Skinny just tapped into it. And it was interesting. You know, I noticed that you ran Chris Shear, Ryan Greenspan, Marcelo Margot, Arturo, Andre, and uh, – and, uh, who did I miss? Archie, Archie, Archie. Archie. Moyar. And to me, one of the questions I had for you as a coach, 
you know, you said that normally as you, you run through the event, you're, you're, you're figuring out your horses, so to say. So what walk me through that or walk all of us through this from a coaching perspective, from a practice perspective, that line is happening organically as the event continues, who's playing hot or, or was that more, you kind of alluded to the fact that you're discovering that during the event, but what's happening at the practice? What walk me through that process there um, on, on personnel. So, so usually what happens for me is I kind of like, cause we'll usually play. I don't really go to like the Thursday practice or like, um, but I try to make the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It just depends. There's been some I made it, some I don't, whatever. Uh, but basically, on Friday, I like to move everyone around everywhere mm -hmm. because realistically, our guys can play anywhere. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't believe in snake guys or Dorito guys. I just don't think it's a real thing. Uh, I think it's their shapes. You just play behind different inflatable shapes. <laughs> so uh, I don't understand when everyone's like, oh, that's a snake guy. I'm like, no, no, he's not. <laughs> so I, I love that. I'm not a believer in specialists either. You're a paintball player. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the way I've, I've always looked at it. And I think that's the way all players should approach it. Like, I don't understand when, like, younger players are, like, like pigeonholed into being, like, the snake guy. It, do it doesn't matter. They don't even know who they are yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think, um, so I guess I start to learn which, like I'll keep track of which guys together. I get, usually I put people in pairs. So it'll be like, you know, like Artie and uh, Archie were together a lot and that seemed to work pretty well for us. And then I, you know, I tried different pairs of everybody, like, like Yosh, Yosh played a lot uh, in practice, like as sort of where Marcelo played in the tournament. And he played really well there too. It's just, I thought Marcelo was hitting the guys on the break a little bit better than Yosh was. So it wasn't really, it's not like, oh, this guy's terrible. It's just like uh, on this level, it's like tiny little bits that like you need. So uh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if that helps. Like I, I, I just sort of learned as I'm watching and then I usually find out like that particular squad did really well on Saturday like they won like probably four out of five points they played together like over the day like over the day so I mean that's usually a good sign since we were playing practicing x-factor and impact who you know are both good teams so if we can beat them four out of five I'm, I feel pretty good about that line yeah for that sure. makes good sense. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's an incredibly insightful. I like the concept of, of playing players in pairs. Now, are you basing those pairs off uh, this particular layout or are you just, just, that's what no. it feels like that day? No, that's just what it feels like that day. Like it's just, it's just sort of random. Like, uh, you know, obviously I don't, there's certain guys that wouldn't work as well together and I just, you know that's fine but like yeah so uh yeah i just like it in pairs because that you know it's usually two guys that end up working together more so than the you know like the front dorito guy and the front snake guy don't really work together like realistically so right yeah 
That's that's yeah. incredible. And the reason I mention that is because I I as a coach and, and Ryan, you can agree or disagree. But one thing I do is I leverage my players' strengths based off the layout. To your point, though, you you said that you know wait, Marcel was hitting that shot just a little bit more than you know Yosh. Uh, I'm very similar with that with the guns on the break. And right. but to hear to hear you say that right that that that's very insightful. And I I like this twin it's just like feeling it out and you know putting people everywhere and seeing what's working that's that's fantastic yeah and and it's a really good way for them to learn like the whole field so like instead of just playing oh i'm only playing on the snake side all day today it really they need every player needs to know how hard it is for them to like contain a guy from the other side so or whatever or or how easy it is to get through stuff so without that, I think I think that's a, a really good learning tool for for players because they get to play both sides and they understand what the other guy's going through or 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 you know the other way around. Excellent. This well, is coaching 101. For those coaches out there watching this show, putting players in in opposing roles, right? We just talked about specialists, but let's say you're trapped in that concept. You have your snake player play the Dorito side, have your Dorito player play the snake side so they can see what you know, threats, opportunities, weaknesses, you know, it's uh it's great insight. And, and it's a great way for all players to sort of round out their game. Like something, for example, I think when Chris came to our team, he was not good at shooting off the break, like, which is kind of crazy because you're like, he's a good paintball player, but he never practiced it. They're just like, you're the front burrito guy always. So that practice, especially like we usually play two weekends. So that first practice, like, I don't care if we win that day at all. Like, I, I just want guys to get more well-rounded and, and improve. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. You know, and another paintball 101 right there, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from the man himself. And that is it practice isn't about, it's not about winning points. It's about learning the no. layout. It's about advancing your your team's IQ on that layout. So uh, something else you said, Chris Shear, that that transitions very well into one of my questions. And Ryan, I'll shut up. I'll let you ask some more questions. Oh, you're good. I just he's he's just he's flowing very well in my questions. Chris Shear seemed to be making big bites on the Dorito side at will. And my question to you, as a coach to another coach when you have a weapon like that and when you're seeing success like that, is this a predetermined play or is this Chris making a read on the break? Uh, are you talking like when he would go to like the third Dorito and stuff like that off the break? Or he would round the first Dorito and take the two, or he would read the paint and dive deep yeah. on the, you know, Dorito one. And there were so, so many different things he was doing. So a lot of the times, not every time, but we also would have someone step out. Usually it was like in the later matches, it was Ryan. He'd step yeah. out and shoot back at their back center mm -hmm. to help Chris get past those, to make that back center guy's gun come in or, be, you know, he has to adjust off of that. So, and that helped Chris. And just running out and diving, we figured out was not a smart move because like you need to shoot back into it while you're going. So like sometimes diving is the move, but I don't think it was on this field. Like uh, I thought Damage did a really good job against us. I think it was Chad. He would just run to that first Dorito, 
guns up shooting back at our back center the whole time and we were like and i was like what what why, why don't we do that so yeah <laughs> sometimes you like like the other people help you learn by you know showing stuff sure yeah absolutely yeah. well it Fine. was yeah well i was just gonna say earlier when you're talking about you know guys playing both sides of the field I used to tell the guys all the time, like, you don't necessarily know how all those shots are coming into you. When you look up like a snake guy looking up, looking at the paint and, and not necessarily knowing which guy in which spot is shooting at you until you go play that spot. So when yeah. you go play it and you can see the trajectory of the paint and how it's going in when you're laying in the snake or when you're in a spot, you look over and you, you're seeing where the paint is coming next to the bunker. If you played in it and you know the shot, it's way easier for you to be able to call the guy out, even if you haven't seen his face yet, right? So even if you haven't seen the guy's goggles in the in the in the bunker, you have a pretty good idea of where he is, so you know how to kind of get up to the next spot. Same thing if the Dorito guys, you know, are trying to get to the next place and they see the paint coming across, like on the World Cup layout, they knew which mini win he was in, whether or not he was in the first one or the second one, based on which way the paint was coming into the spot. So. Uh, I think it's huge to play both sides of the field. You know, I always yeah, try to like, put my guys around. Yeah. Like Archie, like Archie and Artie talked about that a lot because Artie played that tower, and he, mm -hmm. and Archie like explained to Artie he could tell which where the guy was when he was in then like that that snake side tower, and then there was the little W thingy in front of that. He could tell the difference because yeah. of like the angle, like which, yep. and then so like. Yeah, so we started leaving the tower a little more later because we found that that angle was just a little bit better and it could do stuff on the other side. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah, that tower okay. acted as a great launch platform and for several different offensive and defensive yes. maneuvers. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was a great filter into the middle of the field. You could dip out to the snake side if you wanted to. Um, it was really good. I, so also – you, you guys, I think, both kind of did the same thing, and I saw a few other teams doing it too, where you had your snake one guy in the can. Um, yes. Most, yes. Yeah. yeah, where you had the guy that you really wanted to end up in the snake. You put him in that can uh, where, where he didn't end up in the tower or down into the into the brick on a job. Yeah, like I think, like for example, Archie is particularly good at like patient snakes where you, you wait and you wait and you wait, and then you're like, okay, now it's now it's time. Like, yeah. or you wait until their guy goes in and then no, they don't know you're in. So it's right. like, the, I, I would call this snake a patient snake. It wasn't just a just a, a, a total force, everything snake, so. Sure, yeah, yeah. agreed, agreed. Well, let's, let's jump into the semifinal match. Cause I think, um, I went and watched all your matches to me, that was the most fun. You and the Tauntauns. Okay. All right. Yeah, I watched that one live, and I think you and I chatted briefly afterwards, Kevin. Um, I enjoyed that one significantly. Yeah. Prior to the show, uh, I was talking to Ryan, and I said, I know you want to talk about the finals match. I really want to talk about that semifinals match. And he said, actually, me too. So yeah. literally every question I have, other than one, is from the Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and when we get into the finals match, I'm going to bring up your your stat sheet, and you can kind of talk us through how okay. you use that and what you do. Um, so the when I watched the the second match, and I sorry, the semifinal match, 
I statted it out just like I would normally do. And you put on what I would consider to be the perfect clinical coaching methodology. You went uh, Archie to the corner in the in point one and Ryan all the way to their side into their wedge. He, he uh, wasn't supposed to do that. Great read, right? It was a good great read, read right? <laughs> yeah. It was a great read. It, regardless, it's okay, so you don't get credit for that one. But you send Archie to the corner, yeah. right? So you, you push yeah. the snake side. In point two, Chris launches and goes to Dorito three, so you push the Dorito side. Uh, in point three, you go full pocket, uh, and you shoot the snake guy, and then launched out from there. In point four, you sent Art, uh, Arturo to the snake. In point five, you went to that traditional arrow. In point six, uh, which was, um, I think you guys went pocket in that one as well, except uh, Chris went to Dorito one, I believe. Dorito one. Yeah. Yep. And then, so you you had like the perfect mix of where you were going to risk an asset. You pulled right. deep on the snake side. You went far on the Dorito side. You went up the gut. Then you went shallow on the snake side, sending your guy up into the snake off the break. Like if if I was going to teach like how you want to move guns around, I would use that match as this is how you do it. Yeah. So when we were watching the Tauntauns games, I forget who they played exactly right before us, but we were noticing like they, because they went to like the money or the God, the, the little Aztec before the snake a lot, and they would just go there off the break. But doing that, they, they lost the body somewhere else. So that I thought there, they did not have as good a presence shooting the snake side as a lot of other teams were yeah. because they were going to that, they were taking a gun off of it one way or another. Mm -hmm. So that's why like we sent Archie out to the corner and Artie did the snake. So like, I, so that's what we thought and then um yeah like we paired in that second point when chris went to like dorito three that was like what right ryan stepped out and shot back at the yep. middle for, yep. for him so um yeah and, 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 he, he, and, and i think ryan died he he might he might have died early i don't think he died off the break but it might have been early i, I don't know exactly so well, one, I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only coach that has a player who does something that they're not supposed to do in the middle of a very important <laughs> match. Uh, so well, I mean, we had talked about, because we thought that that move was open, and Ryan especially thought that. But once he went up there, we didn't have anyone to protect him in any way. Like, so it was, no. that's why it wasn't great. It wasn't that, because, and they, I think they didn't go anywhere at that point. So, like... Like he couldn't have shot anyone. So it was like, and then, the, you know, and there was no one to watch, you know, him get, uh, yeah, I don't know if he got bunkered or what. He did. Like, yeah. He got bunkered. Yeah. 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 That tandem line got too, too long and there was no overwatch because I believe the Tauntauns did pocket. So he had, right. he had nothing to shoot at. Well, um, yeah, exactly. So like we were hoping that like, you know, they would have someone wider and that, that they just didn't do that. So. Right. It looked like if he would have launched though and just kept going, he would have gotten two. Probably. Like that's yeah. kind of what we had talked about with that pocket. There was nobody to see that guy. So um yeah, I, I think he probably could have. Um, but I mean it's also like I don't know. There's 
there's some risk risk management i, I would call it <laughs> yeah excellent Absolutely. excellent analogy because honestly a lot on on that pocket that spearhead um if you didn't have somebody you had to have at least one gun protecting that center otherwise we're coming to your side and we're getting two um right. who do you want to use on that because some of the best positions and we'll we'll break this field down a little bit further but the best eyes on on the snake entry is going to be either that snake side can or that snake side tower so those those guns have to be looking that way one of those guns have to be looking that way to have eyes on snake right so yeah we we, we mainly use the snake can for the eyes on the snake but we also use uh that uh, we called it midget but it's like the area off this offset of the back center. i don't know why it's called midget this was before <laughs> i got here so like they, they, so uh that side of the back center yeah you could shoot that way if you wanted so or shoot back at the back center. like that spot you could shoot anyone off the break so but it was also risky because you're yeah, standing very. behind nothing <laughs> right yeah. risk reward such an important aspect on this layout we had talked about this on the previous uh, coaches show that there was two ways to play this field a risk reward approach like a risky approach um or or that that solid safe pocket play i think you showed in that tauntauns match how you could play a hybrid of that how you could play both and uh it was just highly impressive to watch yeah really well yeah yeah so like like what we were like what ryan was saying earlier is like i knew i've shift guns this way so they're more worried about that dorito and then i i, I take advantage on the snake that's that's how you do it <laughs> so. yeah and you and not only but it, what i saw like the russians um like we were able to pick up um i forget the young man's name the kid with the kind of goofy looking hair um darby when he would come in he only went to two places right right but then also Malloy only went to one place if he went right. wide, right? He was going to the corner. So yeah. they got a little bit one dimensional with their guys where um, you didn't, you know? And so going deep with Archie, going shallow with Arturo uh, and doing it four points later after you've pushed the other side, gone to back to a pocket, pulled the guns back into the center of the field. Again, like if I was teaching a class, like that's the, the, the game I would use to say, look, if you want to do this masterfully, this is how you do it and this is why. And then show the other side of the field and show what the Tauntauns are doing that allowed you to be able to get away with those things and really not lose very many guys off the break, right? I, I do think Ryan died once when he was out in that blind, blind area. Yeah, we lost Chris, Chris once on the break and then I think – I think it was already once on the break, but yeah, and that I think, was that was a that was a like a low time thing, I think. Right. right. So you're going oh, outside oh. power, so. and you're taking risks and still getting four or five guys out every time, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, masterful. So uh, you you were talking about who um, Tauntauns played before you guys? It was aftermath. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Aftermath. On the Hurricanes, we call that picking your poison. Mm -hmm right pick your poison okay. because you know do we we have to pick our poison on where we're going to put our assets where we're going to put our guns do we do we need to protect the snake do we need to protect the big dorito bite do we need to protect the center well you know dynasty and skinny just showed us that we better protect it all 
So yeah. and, and you've only got so much you can do with that, right? So so well done, masterfully done. It was a, it was absolutely uh yeah, awesome. I, and I think to add on to that, the thing that's really important for coaches is when you do send that like a Chris or Archie or whatever wide, that's that's on you, not them. Like right. so if we they lose them on the break, I'm like, that's on me. Uh, you know, like it's just gonna happen. I, I, I was w willing to, you know, make that, you know, risk. So like, I think it's really important not to just go sit that guy the next point, just, to, you know, when he was going to Dorito three, like, I mean, like, it's okay. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny. You said that I had a, a guy, a player who played on another team who came and, and played with us, uh, last year. And he was like, man, the last coach I played for was he sent me to this spot three times. I got shot all three times off the break. Right. And he sat me and then never sent yeah. another player to that spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, that, you know, like, yeah, that spot's so important that you didn't ever send anybody there again. But you sat the one dude and he was like he was one of the better players on the team. So, yeah, I, I 100 percent agree. When I send players places off the break. Um, I do feel like if they make it, that's some of that, a lot of that's them, right? Sometimes they're reading the paint. They're doing a lot of things in that process. Oh, yeah. If they get shot off the break, it's 100% yeah. me. Yeah, if it's right? like, if they do it the right way, like, you know, they don't trip and fall or have a bad start or something like that, then, then it's totally on you. So, and that's yeah. okay. So. No, I agree. And you also need to take into account, I think there are some situations where a lot of times a player will come in and he'll just be feeling confident. Hey coach, yeah. send me here. Send me here. I can make it. I just pay, you know, look the paints here. It's low. It's that. It's been that way. I can make it. And a lot of times when a player comes in with that kind of confidence to me, then I'll build a play around that. I will. Oh just yeah, that, that like confidence alone. You know, totally. Like that first point, Archie was like, "Send me to the corner. I want to go." So and then like, uh, so I was like, "Okay, cool. <laughs> Makes my job easy when you want yeah. to do it too." So that's right. Rock on with your bad self. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, where else would you like? Where would you like to go the next? <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, sometimes I do that. Like if it yeah. doesn't really matter to me, like I'll ask them. Like you know, I'll eventually I'll be like, "Okay, well, we need to switch things slightly." But like I'm totally fine with that sometimes because if. They're confident and it makes the world of a difference. A hundred percent. It's like we always talk about, take it out of the coach's hand. If we're in a five on two situation, don't make me sit there and hit the buzzer. Try to do something dynamic, make something happen. It goes the same for, for offense, right? If you're feeling something and you are that confident, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I always talk about too, a lot of the, the value and what we get, especially at practice you know, the guys sometimes, especially on Notorious, would sort of come off the field and they don't come tell me anything. And I'm like, guys, you understand, like, I am only as good as the data you give me. Like, I can yeah, see and them yes. and I can see yeah. you, but if you're not telling me what's going on, if you don't come over and talk to me, if I have to, like, drag information out of you, I'm not going to be as good. Like, you got to come over and share with me. You got to tell me what's going on. Like, at what point in your run between this, this, and this, where was the paint? Was it high? Was it low? Could you, could you maybe go up and over? Could you go deep? Like you're not telling me anything. So yeah. like we're only as good as the data we get from the guys. Right. And you're in a pretty impressive situation with that. You have really smart. Yeah. Guys. Like, so like <laughs> my, my, my guys will tell me 
like i'll be like did you get shot after like the the money we called it or before it like that matters a great deal to me because yeah, like ton. sure because it shows me what we can make if you know we can't make that one so they you know, probably also though tell you how to do your job all the time <laughs> all, all the time i have more of those than any other team i guarantee you that we so. we talked about that a little bit in paris we were kind yeah, of yeah yeah skinny said something about uh his job and i was like hey nobody in the league wants your job man right yeah i know nobody. like yeah like yeah ryan brand makes fun of me all the time he's like i wouldn't even take it if they gave it to me I, it would be yeah so yeah. well i but, but back to what we're saying though it's 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 got to be a symbiotic relationship right we have to be feeding off each other data from the players trust in the players players trusting each other all of that has to happen and i would imagine you know kevin that like you're saying that you've got some very intelligent players walk us through that dynamic what what is it like leading that type of cadre of of killers you know at a practice or at an event it, uh, is it is there a lot of back and forth is it a feedback is it about asking specific questions of your players or perhaps them asking specific questions of you perfect that you got this up um, so so it depends on the player because everyone like I'll get use Blake as an example. I feel like he makes every mistake. <laughs> like that's his learning process is he'll screw up everything. Like he'll be like, try to do stuff that you wouldn't normally try to do, but he, he that's part of his learning process. He wants and to like, know. Yep. yeah. And he wants to know if you could do that or if you can't do that. And sometimes that irritates other players on the team but at the same time i know that's his process so i'm fine with it like I, you do it your way and that's fine and you and, but like you said they tell me he tells me that he's like i was trying to go here because of this but it didn't work because of that so like i think it's really important that the player has an idea of what he's trying to do whether it works or not it, it, it is what practice is for nailed it nailed it of course you nailed it i mean you're you're one of the winningest coaches <laughs> in the history of the game I, I i love how you use that you know blake is that we were actually chatting about blake before that we were sitting there thinking blake oh he'd be a monster on this layout uh, i i don't talk to a stuart ridgel the way i'm going to talk to an aaron pate or uh you know a daniel camp the way i'm going to talk to a michael brown so i you're right they all have their own process but they also have their own personality and as a coach I feel it's our jobs to recognize the way they learn. We don't need yeah. to, they don't need to learn the way we coach. We need to coach the way they learn. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and uh, that's what I think, like, for example, when I first came back to the team, I, I hadn't coached for a long time and, and I didn't know the players very well. And we did awful that event because I did a bad job. Like, cause I, I, I didn't know. So it took me a while to figure figure everyone's personalities and some of the guys I didn't know. So it, it's it's difficult in the beginning to to but once you buy about a year, you should have a pretty good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so, I noticed yeah, you were rostered though. Why did those those goober smoochers not let you play? I I don't know. Like they should have. We had to, there were some some uh, things that had to happen for me to play. <laughs> 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 had to be and they didn't do it they didn't do it part, yeah you know. 
Yeah. Now I've Let's... my good friend Britt Simpson says, if you want to win, put booby in. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, throw up this stat sheet for the last match, and you can kind of walk us through this. So what are we looking at here? Um, so the top part is us, and then the bottom part is the Tauntauns. So there's all kinds of stuff going I can't really see this very well, Ryan, but uh, uh, so there's all kinds of symbols on here. Mm -hmm. So basically, like, so like at the top, I sort of wrote like the play and, uh, you know, for my own head. And basically, Chris is like, he went to that Dorito can and he was going straight onto the wire. He wasn't going to shoot inside or anything like that. Marcel was shooting Dorito away. And then uh, I believe Ryan was supposed to shoot in the back center and then go move up, move up to the, we called it the monster, the, 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 the one, the, I think the it was big wedge. Brick, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. A wedge. Yeah. The yeah. Wedge. Mm -hmm. yeah so, uh, and then, you know, Artie and Archie were both just basically shooting snake way. So that like, that's something I use there. And um, basically on the top of this is, names of all the bunkers just so i can uh because i'm much more visual than just uh i think a lot of people so i can just sort of look at the whole thing at once and i can see like i can see that spread of people moving around and moving those bodies around and when i did it and what point i did it and you know if it worked or not so I don't know if that's, I, I, I know you know exactly what I'm doing now, Ryan. So um, uh, I, maybe you can, I, I don't know if I'm explaining this well or not. No, you are. So like the top part is the 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 white on the very top line. That's where yeah. you want the bodies. And then yeah. the yellow is the name of the guys. And then yeah. if inside of the box under the bunker name, if it's got a triangle, that means that guy's going to shoot Dorito way. If it's got an yeah. S, that means that guy's going to shoot Snake way. Right. And then if it's a circle, that means they got shot off the break. Correct. Yes. Yep. Okay. And this then down on me. <laughs> down is on it? <laughs> well, let me explain why. Um, Ryan okay. and I were discussing our methods of tracking data in game, live game situations. This is yours, Skinny, and I've. First of all, I appreciate it because of that detail. And I think all three of us have very detailed systems, very similar like this. What's interesting to me, and, and you answered my question, actually, uh, Kevin, because you said, I can look at this and I can see exactly all the information I need to see and see how people are moving around. The comment I made to Ryan when I saw this was, I'm trying to read this and see the pattern, right? I'm like you, I'm visual. But I'm also auditory. I'm also, yeah. you know, we're all different types of learners. My system is is visual, but it's a lot more, uh, it's it's more patterned, pattern-esque. It's more of a heat map approach, right, with, okay. with data sets. So for me, I see, okay, there's the pattern. You're able to look at this and see the pattern with the type of data you're utilizing. And I think that is incredibly cool. Because I looked at it and I was like, I don't see a pattern. I look, I look for patterns. I think that's where some of my strength comes from. And the fact that you can look at that and see the pattern is neat. That blows my mind. Yeah. So, like, I think a couple years back, I 
I hate, I decided that the, the way people traditionally used to do it, where they write like ones on, you know, a map and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that just didn't, it wasn't good enough for me because I couldn't yeah. tell what the other team was doing at the same time and where those guys were on that same point like be like oh because i can tell who shot these guys just by looking at this like i mean or who likely shot them at least so like for me and to be able to like let's say you have one match like like in the morning and then you have another one at like 10 30 you don't have time to like analyze everything like you just don't have the time and we've used this long enough i can show this to to Ryan or Yosh, and they understand exactly like I do now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's both things at once. Because if I understand it, that's great. But if the players do too, that's where it's like it, at first they thought it was stupid, <laughs> and then and then they realized that it there it is has lots of valuable information. Right. Our and, scouting uh, sheets are completely different from our in-game sheets. Our scouting sheets are very similar to this. Right where you can have that instant okay. type of data. Uh, our in-game sheets are different. Our in-game sheets, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. The ones, the twos, the threes, and it creates that heating map. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's. I don't think we've used that for several years, but right, it's a great place to start, coaches. Those of you who are yeah. using oh, it, of course, yeah. something like this. But what will happen is I'll have my scouter who's telling me right. We have a very specific legend, right? So that legend, certain emblems and symbols mean specific things very much to what you have here so our legends show it shows routes it shows which way the gun is shooting it shows if they got shot on the break it shows if they got shot in a dumb engagement it shows you know these different types of things and then my legend in front of me is what my team is doing based off the play that we've called so so it's it's easy to overlay it and see what went what went south so there the are some other symbols I use too that aren't really on this one. Just uh, it just worked out that way, and it's a little bit harder to do it on your own, like during that match. But when I'm actually scouting, there's like up arrows and down arrows, and and then there's like second, like there'll be secondary things, and these are all organized in a particular columns by you know from the center out. So, and then there's like, I put, there's darker ones in there because that's kind of like an outside spot or like a common spot. So like there's, there's particular reasons for all of these things as, as I've slowly gotten like better and better at it. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's slowly evolved. And then like, I've taught like a lot of a lot of other people have used started using this exact system like Dan Lee did like and it's really simple like he asked me he's like what are you doing and because he we were in Mexico at one of the uh, one of Arturo's MXLs and he's like what do you I don't understand what you're doing can you show me and I was like yeah whatever and now like he uses his is a little bit different than mine now but like weird in a way I've got better Dan's done a great job. He really, he and Rick yeah, no, but like, I mean, from where they were, you know, two years ago to where they are now, it's like a huge difference. And it's just, yeah. their, their players understand it now, too. So, yeah, data is huge. It's huge, right? Not having to, to make emotional decisions 
is critical. It, when when you have 45 seconds to yeah. Once you get the information back, your guys walk in, they kind of tell you, hey, this I saw this, this how I got shot here, whatever you notate something really quickly. You then have about 45 seconds mm -hmm. to create the play, tell them what's what you're you're needing from them, a couple of things to look for. If we shoot a guy here, you know, I want you to look for this, or if we shoot a guy here, I want you to look for this. And that's it. And you cannot, yeah. you can't just stand there and stare at the, the, no, and you got to make a damn decision. Yeah. And so, a lot of times, and I'm sure you both know this, but making the wrong decision confidently is better than, <laughs> than kind of being wishy-washy about it. You, you know, like you, yeah. even if it's wrong, at least everyone's doing the same thing. So yeah, yes. I mean, it's, it's pretty important. Yeah. Like I'll be like, they're like, Ryan's like, Ryan will come in and be like, that was stupid. And I was like, well. <laughs> oh, shit. And now for the super secret play. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, sometimes like, it, you know, um, we were playing, we were in the Russian match and, and I had created a play and I literally just looked at one of the guys and I was like, you know, F it. Literally is what I said. And I called them all back in and I changed it on the fly really quick and and it was a full-on kind of emotional decision that we made. I made, and uh, it just worked out, right? So sometimes it is yeah. about in intuition, and um, it was a a play where I sent our guy all the way, kind of like what Chris was doing, all the way around deep into the Dorito one, and then straight up into the Dorito three, and immediately, you know, looking at the guy in the tower, looking at the guy in, at the can, looking mm -hmm. for the fill into the little brick, and uh, it just so happened they did all those things, and he was able to shoot all three of them. Right. But it, none of none of that was data driven. I just made a decision that was uh, it, it, it was emotional. But the reality is we we're probably going to lose the match. So I needed to do something. And it's yep. way more fun when a guy, you know, gets to do something a little bit ballistic and gets a few kills. And I'm just looking for momentum at that point. Right. Right. Like, let's get some momentum. Momentum yeah, is no. a thing in paintball. Anyone who for thinks sure. that momentum is not a thing in paintball. I don't think fully understands the concept. So. So talk us through a little bit about the uh, final match. We got about five minutes or so. What kind of things okay. like you guys, you look like you guys were in, I know it was a tight match, but it looked like you guys were in control most of the time. And Oh my gosh, man, like yeah. Marcelo looks different. I mean, the last couple of events, like he just keeps, um, and not only on the field, but like off the field, like he physically looks different. Looks like he's put on a bunch of muscle. Um, yeah, that's not helpful in paintball. The guns are not that heavy. You, so. I get it. I get it. But from a fitness perspective, like looks like he's doing the right things in the gym. Looks like he's really taking care of himself. Um, like his focus seems a little different. Like he just, the last few events, um, and, and it's certainly at World Cup, the times that he made fills were so right. He follows Chris at one point down the Dorito side, which from a coaching perspective, especially young coaches and players, I see like when a guy's up on the Dorito side and they're down on bodies, they want to go to the other side and split the field. And he made the perfect move going out to the Dorito one when Chris was up in the Dorito three, because they could see the whole side of the snake field. Like they could see yeah, the and whole those side. And those were safe spots from the snakes. <laughs> totally, right? So, Instead of going yeah. into one of those cans where you yeah. certainly put yourself at risk, he dips out into that Dorito one. He and Chris played it out perfectly. 
um, he just looks, he looks different. I don't know, you know, if you're seeing those kind of things in the pit or, you know, practice or whatever, but he just, he looks different. Like his focus seems different. Um, yeah. I mean, I think like he, he certainly like the, like puts in obviously a lot of effort and time into these things. And then he also coaches other teams, mm -hmm. which I think really has helped him become a better player all around so like he, he he coaches that misfits team in the the wc's out here and i think that helps him like it's it's kind of backwards thinking but i think it really does so and then he realizes what I, it's like to be me too so he's a little more understanding and understands why instead of just being a little more selfish uh, a selfish player yeah. but you know a very logical answer I, I see yeah. the logic in that all day from Marcelo going and coaching these other teams and seeing that makes perfect sense to me. It really does because, and we've talked about this a lot, and I believe you and I even mentioned it uh, at one point, Skinny, but you know, not all players, good players are good coaches. Oh no. And, and vice versa. So it, it's, and I remember the point you're talking about, Ryan, it was excellent. It was against impact. It, now granted Matt Jackson countered that very well. Yeah. Um, it, it almost, it almost works perfect because it was a three on two. He shifts out behind Chris. Chris owns that 50 Dorito area, right? You know, Marcelo's baiting that, that the team, the impact yeah, to take on. the snake around to come around and it works. He gets the first one. Matt just makes a good read and comes up the center and wins a gunfight, but uh, incredible. I, I have a question for you, Skinny, and, and I know we're, we're, we're short on time. I have so many questions about the Tauntauns match in the finals. And hopefully you and I can can talk about it offline, but um, Pucker Factor One Thousand, what what was the Pucker Factor One Thousand point? It was it when it came down to because ultimately I'm almost positive that was a three on one against Marcelo. It was. It was. I, I, I was, was running around. And from the I hip, running, I didn't get the third guy with the hip. I I, I I was literally running around to push the towel. Cause like, uh, like I was, I, I'm right by the time I got to it, I was like, oh shit, he shot one guy. Oh shit, he shot another guy. I'm, I'm like holding it in my hand and then I drop it. I'm like, no. So yeah, so yeah, like yeah. Well, it, it, it's it's kind of crazy that you spend all this time and all these practices and everything, and then that's like 15 seconds change your entire season. It's it's nuts. <laughs> so, yeah, that is. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it really was probably twelve or yeah, it really was probably twelve or fifteen seconds. I mean, yeah. like yeah. The, the the match is over or it isn't. <laughs> like, yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're done. We're done. We're you know we're not going to win the World Cup or oh my God, we have an opportunity. Yeah, I got to yeah. I got to tell you though, honestly, um, it was probably you know twelve to fifteen seconds. I wish this was the longest World Cup in my lifetime. Uh, it's like <laughs> it's a little stab at my own little shooting myself in the foot there, but the fact that you put it in that type of perspective, right? It's 12 within that span of yeah. probably shorter than 10 seconds. Really. If you really think about it, because he, he takes off at, at, at 19 to go get the buzzer. And I recall, yeah. I recall everything breaking down at 30. So three on one at 30 and then boom, he's taken off at 19. So yeah. Incredible. It's such a cool thing too. When we get layouts where a fractional mistake is so critical, right? I love those, right? Where we, and I know it's not as maybe as entertaining for, you know, viewers, 
but like for for people who love paintball and love to watch that that um mental chess match that the players are are playing with one another it is so fun to watch i mean just a, a and something even that isn't a mistake it just didn't work is so yeah. cool when we get a layout where where games are are all the games for the most part really close right really yeah. close right one and two point matches a lot of overtime stuff like just you know from a again from a fan perspective watching those matches and watching those players um kind of trying to outsmart each other or take advantage of a, a, a small fractional mistake somebody looks this way for half a second you know, to tell a secret, I kept yelling at my guys because they, they like to do this dumb shit where they like put their hand like that and they're like talking to the guy next to them. I'm like, hey, man, you can still shoo and talk like you don't <laughs> yeah. have to like you drop two things at once. Yeah. And tell a little. And I kept doing this like you got to stop telling little stupid secrets like you guys aren't, you know, little high school chicks. You can just talk, just shoot your gun that way and you can talk to that person and you're still doing your job. But like you, you could see. I've gone back and watched almost all the the games now and, and you, you see it over and over. Like guys would kind of look over their shoulder to talk and drop their gun and the guy goes. And it was just a fractional yeah. thing, you know, and, and they don't know that the guy's in because they were the eyes, no. right? Arturo's in that snake side tower. Uh, Axel's in the God. Arturo does a low wrap to check off the inside. And your your snake side cans on the inside, and then Axel's in the snake, and now they've tied it yeah. up. Right. And, uh, yeah. Fractional. Right. Fractional. So. It was. And it really was. It was that fast. So, um, and I think that's processing speed. I think that's what separates a lot of the best professionals from other professionals is that processing speed. Like the fact that you mentioned, Ar you know, Archie recognized I could tell by the angle. That's yeah. next level stuff, right? So that's yeah. incredibly important. Now I have one selfish question I have to ask you. Okay. And, and that is, did your did you or the team find tracking the kill count difficult with the way that World Cup is set up compared to the rest of the other events? Yes. It, it, yes. A, there's people behind the pit. Like, I'm sorry, not behind the back of the field. There's all kinds of people standing in there. So I think that makes it very difficult. And it just just that alone, and there's you know big stuff in the way as well. So it's not as e it wasn't as easy to because uh, normally there's nothing behind them, you know, right? Like there's right. like just a it's easier to track that. But you're right, like we 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 screwed that up a bunch of times. So, but so did the other teams and like every team, yeah, yeah, we every screwed team. it up and more then, than most. <laughs> It's like damage was due. Like I remember one of the times, no one we didn't know we shot Rainy. Like and he like, yeah, you know he was on his pit, and then he like went off real low, and no one could see him. Like it was. Well, and just he's like, so skinny that yeah. like, he, <laughs> yeah. he turned sideways and he's invisible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, still love you, Rainy. That's, but, yeah. Well, skinny, are, congratulations, yeah. man. Uh, huge accomplishment. You know what a cool story you guys are are kind of getting to live out and um i appreciate you coming on i do have one ask of you okay so we have had a few coaches reach out and ask us if we can try to do a coaches clinic and okay. i'm thinking um you know mike and i were kind of talking offline we're gonna have tom on next week i'm gonna try to like nail him down to this um what do you think about maybe trying to do a coaches clinic in texas 
Yeah, yeah, I, I could do it. Like Tom, Tom actually asked me because he he thought the difference between a lot of European teams and the U.S. teams is the coaching is better, which I kind of agree with for mm -hmm. most of the teams, not all of them, but most of them. So yeah. I I I'm I, I I like it. I like it when like one of the uh, Femme Fatales players like Dan Lee came up and asked me, hey, can you show me how to do that so my team can get better? And I was like, yeah, it's like that hard. <laughs> like yeah. there's been like three, four people that have ever asked me, hey, can you help me learn how to do this? And like, they think that's like, I'm not gonna tell them it's weird. So like, I don't care. Like it doesn't, I'm not gonna coach forever. So like, I want people to be better than me. So, so are you well, cool me, if I post it on record now, Ryan and Kevin, will you help me? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. I don't sure. like it. Doesn't bother me. So, so you cool if I take your stat sheet and post it on our Facebook page? I'm gonna put mine on there too. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't cool. matter. Yeah, yeah, because we want to try to create some resources for coaches so that they can grab some things and um, and then they can ask questions of us. Um, you know, how do you use this? Why do you use it? What are you looking for? Those kind of things. And the deeper we get into this, we'll have you come on uh, again sometime mid mid off season, kind of talk about what you guys are doing. I know because of your the, the age of your group, you're probably going to take a pretty good break. Uh, yeah, Marcelo's on vacation already, so yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah. that. Good for him. I mean, he's got five yeah. grand to burn. Yeah. He's got five yeah, grand to burn. Exactly. So yeah, you might as well take a little vacation. But uh, we'll get you back on before the uh, start of next season and kind of do a little quick check in. So. Thank you uh, for doing the show. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Kevin was awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you very much. All right, that was awesome. Man, I could talk to that dude all day, kind of like I could talk to you all day. Yeah, it's awful when we only get an hour to talk to somebody like Kevin, right? I know. Man. I, oh. I feel like we could burn up three, four hours uh, just Easily. talking. Yeah. Easily. So we wanted to really quick before we kind of close out, I want to bring up the layout. Um, mm -hmm. And so we can talk about the arrow or um, arrowhead. I don't remember exactly what, um, what they kept calling it online, but um, we just want to show kind of what beer. tip of this beer, whatever, you know, what Maddie was kind of describing there. Um, just so people have an understanding of what that was, uh, what he meant by that. And then also the kind of the why the players were doing that. So, right. Uh, yeah. So here's, here's the world cup layout. Uh, and you saw this uh, kind of breakout uh, and setup. It wasn't necessarily a breakout. They may have seconded it into it, but you saw kind of this a lot. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And then this guy either inside, inside, or, or sorry, outside, or better inside. I had him inside a lot of times because he was my middle watch. As we did, as we did as yeah. well. So you saw this a whole lot, right? And if you can see how how hard it is to break outside when this is going on, especially if the team you're playing against is set up exactly the same way, there's not a lot of seams. And late in the event. You saw a lot of people here, right? Mm -hmm. Because right. it was easier to play through this gap to get over to this. And you saw guys coming in here and immediately trying to look at that, you know, looking at this box here. 
it's really, it's tough to break this. Right. Now let's talk about some of the mistakes or opportunities. Go ahead and move that Dorito side can line and have him play the straight. Now, what do you notice here? If he's playing that straight, where's your opportunities? Pay attention to the two wedges in the center. The one that leans snake way and the one that's up in the gut. So there was your opportunity there with eyes on, even with that guy on the cross. Now, one of the uh, options and ways you could take that away, obviously, that Dorito side can, can be inside and checking off. You can, you can transition the jobs between the lay down snake brick and the snake tower. You yep. can, there's a lot of different ways to control things, but I believe this was ultimately the setup. I think the setup is if we could get either that lay down brick controlling the head of the snake with a bait, right? So we set him up. We've got a control through the center. You can do that with your, your Dorito side can, or perhaps your Dorito side tower. So could control that center, but you guy would, this way. That's right. You have him that way. You would turn your snake side tower inside to give the illusion, or perhaps your snake side can goes inside to give the illusion that hey, I can go now. So you're setting a trap. Uh, this guy would. So you saw a lot of this. You saw a lot of the baiting. Um, lots of different ways to play this field. Uh, with moving guns, but just like we talked with, with Kevin, you know, you start giving them certain looks, you start pressing certain issues and those guns are going to turn and it's going to create uh, access points down the field. And I think yeah. he just did. I think dynasty did put a clinic on that in the, uh, in the last two matches. Just masterful watching mm -hmm. that Tauntaun's match. He, he really um, did it perfectly in my opinion. Perfectly. And again, like the amount of confidence they continue to show in Chris Shear is unbelievable. I mean, they, they, the kid just continues to get better and better and better. And Marcelo too, you know, he's, he's not a new kid on the block by any stretch and he's still getting better and better and better. Well, I think anytime uh, you, you put players that have talent like Chris and, and others who have joined dynasty. You see this a lot where those players will rise to the talent level of those around them. And I think talent, you know, dynasty makes players better. They just yeah. do. And, um, but I think you see that with other, other programs as well. You've seen a lot of success um, with a lot of teams that have just, you know, Hurricanes are one of those teams that we don't have any names. I'd like to think that the names are are beginning to be learned. And I, I do believe that's what's great, that the Hurricanes push each other to be better. I think there's we talk about culture all the time at nauseum. People hear me talk about culture, culture, culture. And if you're a coach and you're listening to this, um, that's – there we go. It's working. <laughs> that's so important. That, hey, we've got to, you know, there's a common uh, phrase in the military that, you know, we fall to our training. No, we rise to the level of our training, right? right. I don't want to fall anywhere. I don't want to fall off on anything. I don't want to play at my bare minimum. I want to rise to my best. So 
I think that's what you're seeing with a lot of these teams in the professional division. And I think you're seeing that with dynasty. They just keep getting better like a fine wine. Absolutely. And I don't want um, people to think we forgot about impact. We'll uh, hopefully have no. Dave Baines on in, in a couple of weeks and we can go through those guys. Cause I, I, I really want to talk a little bit about fuzzy Jackson and, and uh, I think Trevor Reeser played really well at this event. Zupa, Zupa was yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we can get Dave on in the next couple of weeks and kind of talk, talk through their event because man, you, know, you kind of called it on, on Saturday when we did the show um, that impact could play spoiler. And sure enough, they did, you know, they played incredibly well. I mean, Revo really got to play the spoiler, you know, knocking, uh, damage. knocking out Tampa Bay damage, but uh, I mean, impact looked like impact, you know, they yeah. looked incredibly crisp and it's, it's weird too. Uh, when you take away a player, you know, uh, who goes back and plays with the Tauntauns kind of at the end of the year, and uh, who's also just an incredible talent, right? Um, so it was, I, I didn't know how they would respond, but wow, did they, right? Absolutely. Did they? So yeah. I think a lot of people would have lost money on that Revo damage match. And, but being able to share pits with impact most of the event, and seeing Dave and everybody on that squad firing on all cylinders was yeah. really neat to watch. And that's why when I spoke to you on Saturday, I was like, I, I think Impact's the one to watch because it, it really was there. The elements were there. The old Impact was there. And of course, you know, Zoop is a good friend of mine. And like we said, you rise to that occasion. You're given that opportunity. And boy, did he take full advantage of it. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. He was great. All right. Good show. Let's talk about what's coming next week. You want to? Yeah. Why don't you lead us off on what's happening? Because it's kind of, I I might get overexcited about it. Okay. So next week, we're going to have Tom Cole. We're going to talk about the why. And what I mean about the why is why are we pushing? What are we pushing toward and why? right? Right. I think that's important that everybody understand like what the focus and goal of Major League Paintball is. And we're going to hold him to a few things. There's some other questions we're going to ask uh, from feedback that we've gotten from from people who've watched the show about the number of European events, mm-hmm. uh, the opportunity for more divisional play at some of the European events. Um, I, I did do a little research, though, in in the second event at CPPS. There is divisional play at that event. It's just not part of, of Major League Paintball in the NXL. Right. It's, it's a separate league it's put on by CPPS. And so there, there is divisional opportunities at that event while the NXL is going on. And then of course the last event there, there's divisional play there. So I think the only one that we're really, uh, that there's not divisional play at is the first event. Um, and then there's some other questions about, uh, WNXL events and why there's only three and they want five. And you know, what is the reasoning for that? Cause it is possible that that's not major league paintball NXL decision, that that's a decision by the owners. And, and so we just want to find out kind of who, who people need to talk to. Right. Um, and then we're also going to dig into some what's next. Like, is there going to be another tester format? Uh, so uh, I think the seven, three thing we all kind of agree was a good idea in concept, maybe needs some tweaks. If we're going to continue to try some things like that, there's some tweaks that need to happen. I agreed with what Skinny said, the 20 minutes between points, there is zero tempo that you can, you can create. So, um, and then we are going to have Casey Harris, coach of paintball fit 
who's going to come on and talk about their historic five win season. Uh, and then also kind of what their plans may look like in this off season. Are they going to make any moves? Does he see uh, that they maybe have a hole that they need to fill before, uh, before the season next year. And so we'll, we'll dig into all that with Casey really excited to have him on. I've known that guy for a really long time. You know, he's just South of me in, in Dallas. So I'm excited to, to get to hang with him. He's actually from Louisiana. I did not know that. Yeah, he's from Louisiana, has a restaurant there. So we'll dig into some of that and you can get to know him. He's an incredibly sweet questions. guy. When you hear him talk, you'll realize very quickly, oh, he is definitely from Louisiana. So, <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Like always, or as always, please like, share, subscribe, all the good things. Go to at the Coaches Show Live if you are on Facebook or sorry if you were on Instagram, and then go like our Facebook page. We'll be dropping all kinds of news. Um, hopefully soon we will be the, the major news outlet for Major League Paintball. Um, I've already let some things slip before I was supposed to, and I'll keep doing that as long as you guys keep sharing it. So <laughs> as always, thank you so much. I'm Ryan Gray, and I'm Mike Bianca. Have a good one.